Amen. Amen. So, the bigger the chain, the louder the noise when it hits the floor, right? Whatever it is that God has delivered you from, uh, brought you through, healed you of, is to the glory of God. And the harder it is, the more he's glorified. The more he's glorified. Well, it's so good to be with all of you today. Uh, I hope you had a good 4th of July, did you? Good. Celebration. You're still eating leftover barbecue? (laughs) The uh, weather tried to drown out the uh, fireworks, but I think the fireworks prevail. And uh, it is so good to be here with you today. We really feel uh, that it's, uh, it's a blessing and a privilege to be able to minister the Word of God to you today. I count it a real privilege, especially to be able to, to be in and to sort of pinch hit or even to relief pitch for uh, a major league pitcher in the kingdom of God, Pastor Wayne Blackburn. Amen. Now, I know he's the manager of the team too, but, but uh, man, you know, preach and pitch are pretty close in the way they sound, and it is a blessing. So, Pastor Wayne, if you're watching, congratulations to you and to Sharon on 50 years of ministry and marriage, honoring God and blessing people throughout this community, throughout this county, beyond through the state and beyond. Uh, we thank God for Victory Church. Pamela and I, Pamela is away today. Uh, we actually just had a second grandchild born just a couple of days ago, a little girl, Nora Joy, and uh, which is a miracle all itself that I'll tell you about a little bit tonight. Tonight I want to bring a message called The One Thing That Can Get You Through Anything. The One Thing That Can Get You Through Anything. It's the, the message that I wish I could have shared conversationally, if God had permitted me, with an Anthony Bourdain, with a Kate Spade, with a Robin Williams. We live in a world that's struggling with fear, anxiety, depression, overwhelmed over the issues of life and the challenges of darkness within the world that we deal with. And the church, God has given the answer. God has given us the truth, but there is something within our lives that if we can grab a hold of it and use it, it's a tool that God will give you that will give you victory again and again. It'll help you live up to the name of the church even more. Victory over and over again. It's the one thing that will get you through anything. And my daughter just had to experience that in a big way in the last seven or eight months because she was diagnosed as a high-risk pregnancy with numerous complications. She was uh, urged by some to just get rid of the baby. And even had one doctor at one point that said, you know, just, just remember, no matter what occurs with the baby, I told you, and you chose to keep this baby. And uh, so God has done some amazing things. I wanna share more of that just as a part of the message, but there's something more, more significant that has been a big help to her through that. And I believe will help you through whatever challenges you may be walking through or the Lord has ahead of you. So today, you know, 4th of July is a big holiday. We celebrate a big thing, and that is the forming of this nation, the Declaration of Independence, and uh, God's blessing on the United States of America. We celebrate it. Uh, we have parties. We have family together. We have barbecue. We do all those things. But there is another big story in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that I want to focus in on today. It's one of my favorite stories of all time. 
It is a, just a great story that has been told so many times. How many of you love to tell stories? You love to tell stories. You know, there are granddads, grandmas here that love to tell stories. Uh, there are other people that you've got a story. And as a matter of fact, some of you wish that I right now would just say, you come on up and share your story with everyone, and you would do it. There are others of you that would say, I would be scared to death to do that. But when you have a story within you, to not be able to share it is torture. When I read a book, it's a private experience. When my wife reads a book, it's a community experience. <laughs> you know, I read a book and I'm just absorbing and thinking and writing stuff down. Pamela will read a book, she's like, oh, let me, can I share this with you? And I'm thinking, no, because <laughs> I'm trying to read my own book over here, you know, and I'm sort of into it right now. It's only gonna take a minute, just let me, this is so good, I just wanna share it with you. And it's almost like the circle isn't complete until the community has experienced it and has shared it. Well, the story of David and Goliath is a story like that. Can you imagine how many people have told the story of David and Goliath over the years? Um, years ago, when I was pastoring a church in New England in the Boston area, uh, the, the uh, the children's ministry wanted to put some big contest thing outside. So they decided, could we build a huge Goliath and then a slingshot and use paintballs to shoot at him? So we built like this 10 foot tall Goliath. You know, some have said that Goliath was anywhere from seven feet tall to nine feet, nine inches tall. So we went with the nine foot, nine inch, you know, model. And we built it with plywood, we painted it, all of this, we set it up and we had one of those wrist rockets. You know what I'm talking about, like a slingshot that rests on your wrist. And we were in Boston, and when we got ready to order it, I found out you had to have a permit to use those in Massachusetts. And so we, but we got the permit, and we, you know, the kids just had a blast, just coloring Goliath every color imaginable. And uh, so many parents had a good time with their kids just going up. But over the years, we've told our kids this story. Pamela and I have three girls, uh, one son, and we also now have two grandchildren. This, uh, we have a grandson and a granddaughter. But over the years, that's one of the stories we would love to tell. And, you know, one of the kids would say, I'll be Goliath. And another would say, uh, you know, I'll be David. Nobody said, I'll be the fearful Israelite that isn't willing to go to battle. No, nobody said that. Maybe King Saul. Uh, don't worry, we didn't use real rocks. We used Nerf balls and told this story of David and Goliath. So that story, although it was written so many, many years ago, it's a story that God wants us to be aware of today. July 8th, 2018, turn to your, in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and I'm gonna read a portion of this story so that we catch what the Bible says about this great story that has been told over and over again through history. I'm gonna begin with verse 32 of chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. Now, at this point, David's father, David was a shepherd, and his brothers, his older brothers, his three older brothers, uh, Eliab, Shammai, and Abinadab, had been sent ahead to fight against the Philistines. The Philistines had come down to the edge of a mountain and the Israelites were on another mountain and there was a valley called the Valley of Elah in the middle. And so it was a face-off and they were there getting ready to do battle with one another. And as was often the practice, they said, let's choose our best two warriors 
and let's put them in the middle and let's have a smackdown with these two right in the middle. And whoever wins, their army wins and we don't lose so many lives in the process. So every day for 40 days, morning and night, Goliath would come down this big giant and he would say, give me a man from among your army that will come and take me on and I will kill him, I'll destroy him. And every day when he would do it, the Israelites would shudder, they would fear, they would pull back because he was so big. And it probably his voice was so loud and his, his armor was so impressive. Well, we come in at a time when David has arrived with his cart of uh, grains and bread to give his brothers. And his father had sent him several cheeses to give to his brother's commander, which is interesting. And so he came in with it and David said, and he began to hear Goliath taunting them and they're all afraid. And so David pulls up next to his brothers and says, what will be done for the man in Israel that, that takes on this giant? Who, what, what will be given to him? Because if you read the story, you find out that the promise was that, the, that King Saul would give his daughter in marriage to that man, would give him loads of wealth, and guess what? Would tell him, you don't have to pay taxes for the rest of your life. How many of you would like that? No taxes for the rest of your life. So David asked those questions. His, his oldest brother got very furious. What are you doing even asking that question? Or you don't, you don't suppose that you could, you, you shouldn't even be here. Why are you even uh, talking? And David, like a brother, said, can I say anything right? Can I, you know, you can hear it in the language of the story. Can I ever talk and say something that you agree with? Well, at this point, King Saul has heard that David is wanting to volunteer. And we come in at verse 32. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out and fight this Philistine. You're only a young man. And he has been a warrior since he was, since he was in his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Here's his rationale. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Can you imagine a young boy doing this? Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Do you know who, what's talking there? Not just David. Faith is talking. Faith is talking. The Word of God in David is talking. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, it was like, I'm convinced. Go, and the Lord be with you. Go right ahead. Then Saul was going to help David out. He dressed him in his own tunic. He put armor on him, a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened his sword over the tunic and tried walking around, but he was not able to use them. I cannot go in these, David said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off, and then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth, what? Stones. stones. Five smooth stones from the stream. These are, this is a river rock that I picked up. Put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in hand, approached the Philistine. Say, so here we go. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with a shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over, looked him over, saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, 
and he despised him. Goliath must have been getting a little bit older. Probably not as good looking as he once was. And he's looking at David with all of his life ahead of him, like these guys right here, so much life ahead of you, so much, so much opportunity to, to take on challenges and opportunities in Jesus' name. And he's looking, and Goliath is, is angry, and he despises him. And he said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, listen to this, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give you the carcasses of the Philistine army uh, to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Can you say amen? Amen. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. And the Philistine moved closer to attack him. David ran quickly toward the battle to meet him, reaching into his bag, taking out the stone. He slung it, struck the Philistine on the forehead. He fell face down to the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword, drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and the gates of Ekron. So David prevailed over Goliath. Amen. David, David had a giant in his life. David had something that came into his life that was monstrous in size, that was huge something that he never imagined that would happen. In his mind, he was going to deliver provisions to his brothers in, who were supposedly in the midst of a battle. And he went and he brought these and he found that there was this giant there intimidating the people of God. You know, we, we live in a world that is dealing with intimidation. There are voices and experiences in life that are bringing intimidation to people. When my daughter told us in November of last year that she was expecting another baby, grandchild was coming, we're all excited, celebrating, my wife's already starting to look at things she wants to buy, you know, all this kind of thing. And then about two, three months later, we got the word that they were running tests and ultrasounds and that there were several, several issues with the baby and that she was moved into the high-risk category. So immediately I knew that my daughter had a giant in her life that she would have to face. Some of you that have been a part of the church for a while know that a uh, number of years ago, over 20 years ago, when I was pastoring in New England in the middle of a sermon, I lost my voice and suddenly came face to face with a vocal challenge that became a sort of a giant of sorts in my life because I've been called to preach and I was having a hard time talking. Through it, and I've shared the story here a number of times, through it, God opened up a writing ministry for me that I believe never would have happened had I not dealt with that struggle in my life. 
Now, I'm, I want to tell you today that this last year, I know there are people here that pray for us and pray for me. And we appreciate that because this last year, God has opened doors and made a way so that this year, I've had the best vocal year I've had in over 20 years. Praise God. And now Pamela says that they can't shut me up. I say, I got to make up for lost time, you know? And uh, so God is good, and God has, uh, has, has done some wonderful things that we're grateful for and we celebrate. So David had a giant. Giants, have you had a giant show up in your life? Something that was a struggle? Probably all of us in different ways. You know, giants are several things. One, giants are a pain. Am I right? Look at somebody say, giants are a pain. I don't like giants. You know, giants, I mean, they might make for good movies, you know, or, or good wrestling dudes, you know, or something like that, but giants are a pain. They're, they're just in the way. They're unexpected. They're slow to move. You try to get a giant that's come into your life to move, and they're, they're cum cumbersome. They're hard to get to move. They're intimidating. They're frustrating. And you may say, you know what? This giant in my world is slowing me down. This giant's holding me back. This giant is simply in the way. And this giant was never in my plans. God, why have you allowed this giant in my life? You know, I'm sure that the people in Israel, the soldiers in Israel were probably as they were hiding and fearing, they were shaking and saying, God, why would you allow this Goliath to come before us? We're the people of God. We have the blessing of God on us. We have a promise from you, and now we've got this giant. Now your plans for your kingdom are ruined because Goliath is here. And they're intimidated and fearful. And up walks David with an entirely different view. He saw it through a different set of lenses. You know, I remember when I was in uh, elementary school, my last year, when I went to school, elementary school went through sixth grade in South Carolina where I was raised. And in sixth grade, my mother taught at another school, so she would always drop me off at school early. Now, we had this one guy in sixth grade that was a bully. Anybody ever remember somebody at school that was a bully? Raise your hand. Remember that bully in elementary school? How many of you, you were the bully in element? No, no. <laughs> you were that bully. You've since repented. Come to Christ. We're, we're glad to know that. But listen, we had this, you know, the, this short guy, and guess what his name was? I kid you not. Rocky. His name was Rocky. Now, if that's not enough, guess what his last name was? And don't go look him up on Facebook. His last name was Fight, F-I-T-E. Rocky Fight. Is that too ironic? That's like a name you'd use in a movie for like somebody going up against Sylvester Stallone, you know, Rocky Fight is going up against in, you know, Rocky 19 or whatever. And uh, so this little guy, I mean, he, uh, he picked on somebody new just about every day. So of course, I'm at school early. Now, you have to picture this. I'm a I'm pretty heavy kid, pretty chunky kid, and I had glasses that had lenses about the size of Coca-Cola bottles. So I was in that season of life, I know it's so hard for you to imagine this, I was a bit of a nerd. And not only a nerd, but a bit of an awkward nerd. So uh, th this is the day that, guess what? Guess who Rocky decides he's going to intimidate today? 
yours truly. And he, you know, his routine, he would sort of walk around like he owned the place, which he probably just about did. And he would walk up to me and just say, hey, Crosby. And come back, hey, four eyes, what you gonna do about it? You know, some of you have gone through this. And you know what? I started to think about some things that I wanted to do to him. And they were not very Christian. I, I thought, you know what? Part of me just would like to just to hurt this guy. And I'm feeling like maybe I should do, you know, somebody needs to do something about this guy on this game. Somebody needs to step up and stand up to this bully. I'm tired of being, everybody being pushed around, and now he's pushing me, now he's coming at me, and I think it's just about time somebody did something about it, and that's how I totally was thinking, and then I felt something like this on the inside. I'm just saying, <laughs> this is how I was feeling, you know, on the inside. This guy had built this little, in this little world at Bradley Elementary High School, or elementary school, had built this little intimidation circle. And he had become the bully, sort of the, the uh, giant of sorts in our little school world. Well, you know, there are a lot of people that look at the story of David and Goliath, and they say, you know, this is a great story because David was an underdog. And the underdog in this story overcame. Isn't it great? Because he's this little boy, and as weak as he was against this strong giant, he was able to overcome. Can I say to you, David was no underdog. David was an overcomer in the making. David was not an underdog. You see, some people look at Jesus as an underdog, as one that just barely overcomes. Jesus is not an underdog. He's an overcomer. As long as you have Jesus inside of you, you're no underdog, you're an overcomer. You're not one that you might place a bet on. You're a person that is gonna overcome and win by the power of the one who's in you, amen? amen. So Jesus, in his very nature, is the overcomer. He's one who overcomes. And let's be, let's be clear a little bit about the, the setting and what's going on in our world right now. There, first of all, is a battle. The battle is the Lord's. The battle has already been what? One, the conquering hero who's won the battle is inside of you. Amen. So look at somebody and say, the hero's on your side. The hero's on your side. He's with you. If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. So what giant in that scenario could ever, ever, ever possibly prevail when you have the one that has overcome sin, hell, and death. Do you know the Bible tells us in Ephesians that when Jesus died, that he descended into the depths, that he went to the very depths of creation, and that he took the keys to hell and death. So he descended into the realm of the enemy, into the realm of Satan, and he took the keys to his house so that now Satan doesn't even have the keys to his own house. That's Jesus right. has the keys to, Jesus, to, to Satan's house. That's right. Amen. So that means that he holds all power, all authority. So when we come against the enemy of our souls, it isn't an arm wrestling where one is just about to barely win and then the other comes back. No, it's a, it's a rout by the power of God in the name of Jesus. 
So a few other things to, to notice about this story. One is the lessons that David learned in the sheep fields got him ready for the opportunities and challenges on the battlefield. The lessons in the sheep fields, as a shepherd, tending to that flock and faithfully caring for it, organizing it, managing it, watching over it, making sure that it gets fed, caring for it well. God saw every bit of that. The lion would come, uh, and, and David would fight against him. The bear would come to attack, and he would fight against them and protect those sheep. Those were the training grounds for David to get him ready for the battlefield. So you may be you may have an opportunity right now that you think is not what you're crafted for. That there's more that God has made you for. And I would say to you, be faithful right where you are. Be diligent right where you are. You may be, you may be a mom right now and you're having to stay at home more than you want because of all your responsibilities with your children. And you're saying, Lord, I think there's more you want to do through me. I want to encourage you to be faithful to whatever God's given you to do right now. Because he sees that faithfulness. And he's going to open up more opportunities for you. He will do it. What you're doing, caring for sheep in the sheep field, whoever you are, man, woman, young person, be faithful and God will open up doors for you in the battlefield. You can't afford to shrink back in your small battles. Because the small battles get us ready for the bigger battles. Somebody said this, the thing about life that's so difficult is that it's so daily. The thing about life that is so difficult is that it's so daily. Well, you know what? Your dailies are getting you ready for your destinies. Your dailies are getting you ready for your destinies. What you do every day when you get up, and you know how it is, the alarm goes off in the morning. It's a Monday. Monday morning can be challenges, right? Uh, Tuesdays, they say the most challenging day for people to live is Tuesday. I think it's because you're not quite to the middle of the week. The weekend, you don't see it quite coming too soon. You're just beyond the weekend. Uh, but the alarm goes off in the morning. And we have this little device called what? The snooze alarm. I don't know who determined that it was going to be nine minutes for the snooze alarm, but somebody determined this nine-minute sequence for a snooze alarm. And God will speak to you and say, all right, it's time to get up. I have things for you to do. And you say, Lord, let me sleep just a little bit longer. Well, God says, I've got somebody I want you to share your faith with. And you'll say, let me sleep just a little bit longer. God will say, it's time for you to rise to opportunities that I put before you and serve me. And God, let me sleep just a little longer. just want to hit that snooze alarm when God's calling you to action, to be diligent, to be faithful with what he's given. Your dailies are getting you ready for your destinies. Another is the Saul's armor trap. Remember how David tried to put on Saul's armor? You cannot be someone else. You cannot be this other Christian, even somebody that you see on, you know, now we have so much uh, technology. You're like, I want to be like this preacher. I want to be like that. And even we preachers get tempted by that. I want to preach like this person or like that or whatever. You've got to be you. We don't need another one of those people. We've got one of them already. We need you. You just be you. In the name of Jesus, know who you are, like who you are, be who you are. And I would add to that, know who you are in Christ. Like who you are in Christ. And be who you are in Christ. Because God has designed you for unique opportunities, unique challenges to serve him and his purposes. So that involves faith in God. 
But not only faith in God, but faith in the God who is in you. When my daughter began to get these words uh, about, from the doctors about the baby, and uh, it's not looking good, and it could be this, it could be that, we're not sure, it could be this disease, that disease, and we're seeing these spots and all of these things in the ultrasound. I know she became fearful, and she's, usually, she's, she's a very joyful person. Matter of fact, her middle name is actually Joy, Kara Joy. And she's named her daughter that was just born Nora Joy. But if there's anything that has been challenged, is hanging on to that through this. How do you keep that going? How do you, what are ways? I believe the, the Word of God has given us ways to build ourselves up in the faith so that we can overcome in Jesus' name and that the world doesn't pull us down and our situations pull us down. So you're either one of three things. You either have just faced a giant recently in your life, you're facing one right now, or Sorry to tell you, you're going to face one before too long. That's the nature of life. Challenges come before us. Jesus said, as long as you're in this world, you're going to have what? Trouble. Now, some would say, that's a negative confession, Jesus. Don't claim that. No, that's a real honest confession. That's a Lord that says, I want you to get ready for this. I want to feed you some fairy tale information. I want to tell you the truth so you know what you have to face, so that you can build up your faith. Your faith is not something you just play at or try. Your faith is a solid decision that God has enabled you to make that focuses on him in all of your life. So let's talk about David's giant. What did David's giant do? You know, someone said this to me years ago, and I never forgot it. Your friends will help you realize your potential, but your enemies will push you beyond it. Your friends will help you realize your potential. How many of you thank God for your friends? Come on, put your hand You Thank God. Man, I thank God for my friends. You probably always wish you had more of them, but the ones I have, I thank God for them. Uh, how about if I said, how many of you thank God for your enemies? So I don't have any enemies. Well, Jesus said, love your enemies. So that sort of assumes that they'll there will be enemies. It doesn't mean this person is totally against you, but it means someone that really doesn't have your best interest in mind. And some of us, you know, you know what that's like. So your friends will help you realize your potential. Your enemies will push you beyond it. So David, David's giant, let's talk about what his giant did. David's giant set David apart. He set him apart. You know, ironically, if you were going to give a most valuable player award to the people in the story, would it be David? Would it be King Saul that gets it? Would it be the fearful Israelite army? Or would it be Goliath? You could make a case that Goliath was the most valuable player in the story because he challenged David to the nth degree, but we would have never known the warrior that David was if there hadn't been a Goliath. We'd have never known the soldier, the warrior, the faith that he had if there had not been a Goliath. David's giant set him apart, but he also let the world see his heart. You see, some of you right now, you're dealing with a struggle with a giant, and it's overwhelming, and it can be so consuming that it's difficult to think about other people, but I want, you, I want to tell you, you're surrounded by witnesses. Your family's watching how you deal with this giant. Your spouse is watching how you deal with this giant. Your coworkers are watching how you deal with this giant. 
Your neighbors are watching how you deal with this giant. The people around you are watching how you deal with this giant. And it's in that circle that God can be incredibly praised. That people can experience Jesus by the way you deal with your giants and your challenges. So it let the world see his heart. David's giant also inspired him to action. To action. You know, when there's a giant, the Israelites, most of them, everyone except one said, ah, we're, we're just going to pull back here and pull out some, uh, you know, some, some meal, some army food, and eat some of this. And we're just going to wait back here. We'll wait it out. And David's like, who's got time to wait it out? Here's a cart of food and cheese, but I'm done with that. We need to deal with this giant that has defied the armies of God. And I want to tell you something else about David's giant. David's giant never knew what hit him. He never knew what hit him. The region that this story took place in was the Valley of Elah. And in the Valley of Elah, the ground was made of barium sulfite. That's about twice the density of a, like a river rock that I'm holding right, about twice the density of a, a normal rock. That means that when it hits something, through a sling, it has the impact of using a 45 millimeter handgun. And that when David slung it, it probably went at about 42 meters per second. You see, David had developed a skill. In the sheep fields, he had practiced his skill and dealt with predators and animals that would try to hurt the sheep. In that small setting, he became very skillful. And he was able to deal with that cumbersome giant. One, because there was, there was uh, artillery, there was infantry, and there was cavalry. There was horseback fighting. There was, you know, in the military world, there's infantry. Goliath would have been infantry, hand-to-hand combat. But David was artillery. When it's artillery, that means that something goes ahead of you to do the work. <laughs> something is projected ahead of you to deal with the enemy. Well, I want you to know Jesus has gone ahead of you. He's gone ahead of you and faced the enemy and faced every challenge and every struggle and every sin that you've ever dealt with. Jesus has taken it on himself. He is like that stone that the builders rejected but has been fired into the face of the enemy of your soul and has pushed him back so that you, like the armies of Israel, can then advance and take hold of the purposes of God in your life. David's giant did all those things. Imagine that, Goliath, most valuable player possibly. But you know what else? I love this part. David's giant gave David grief that God turned into glory. Gave David grief that God turned into glory. Lord, I want you to be glorified in my life, but I want to be real comfortable along the way. You know, that could be a prayer I'd be tempted to pray. God, just get great glory out of my life, but make it really easy on me all along the way. You know, that's not even how you train soldiers. You send them to Paris Island, and you, you put determined struggles and difficulties in their way so that when the battle heats up, their ability and their willpower is there and is strong. God does not want our faith just to be something we play at and try at and talk about, but something that we exercise and that he builds into the strong, overcoming part inside of us. And I believe as we look at our world, we're going to need the church to have faith like that, to have an overcoming faith. Well, what kind of giant are you facing in your life? Is it a financial giant? 
a job, a career giant, unexpected, something has come up in your career, a family giant, a relationship giant. What about a health giant? My daughter has been facing a health giant with this news about her baby. Maybe some of you here that are dealing with things far more challenging than what she's even had to, to deal with. A health giant. What about a pain from the past? Or what about the proverbial big hurt? Someone who's done something or said something that has been deeply hurtful and it is very difficult to get over it. And it's like a Goliath that is glued to you that tends to go with you just about everywhere you go. What's your giant? For all of us in the room, you know what our biggest giant is? Sin. Sin is our biggest giant. Can you say amen? Amen. My own tendency towards my way and not God's way. And Jesus dealt with that deeply difficult struggle of sin to give us the power to overcome it so that when we become believers, we find out that there's grace to forgive us of those things so that we can live freely with his joy. But let's talk about your giant, whatever the giant is you're facing. There are a few things that I believe you can know about your giant. One is that your giant, I promise you, it will set you apart. The way you deal with your giant will set you apart. Johnny Erickson Tata became a Christian, 16 years of age. A few months later, she's diving into Chesapeake Bay. And she didn't know that there was, she was a, a skillful swimmer, didn't know that there was rocky areas underneath it, broke her neck and became an instant quadriplegic. She was lying in a stretcher frame in a hospital and said to them, turn the lights off. I don't even want to live. And now, if you know her story, she's become a world-renowned speaker, painter, writer, uh, advocates for people that deal with disabilities or, or uh, physical challenges in so many ways. But she said, when I was dealing with those darkest moments, God gave me a word, and it was this. You're either going to get busy living, or you're going to get busy dying. You're either going to get busy living, or you're going to get busy dying. You're either going to spend the rest of your life using what you do have for the glory of God, or complaining about what you don't have. Now, she's asked God to heal her repeatedly. He has not to this point. She's had people lay hands on her and pray for her. But to this point, but her ministry is impacting the world in an amazing, amazing way. So your giant will set you apart. It'll let others see your heart. It will inspire you to action, to get busy living instead of dying, to not let that giant overcome you, but to walk into the face of it. And in a moment, I'm going to invite you to do that. I'm going to open these altars up in a little bit of a different way, but I believe there's some here the need to take a step related to the giant that you're dealing with in your life. Your giant will never know what hit him. You say, what do you mean? Well, when there's a giant, giants have these scripts that they play out in our minds. They usually begin with words like, you'll never, you always, you will never do this, you'll, you always do that. And they tend to, to set you aside and write you off. Well, to overcome the enemy, we have to learn how to replace those scripts with the scriptures, with the Word of God. The Word of God fills our mind, it fills our heart in a way so that we're able to live the plan and the purpose that God has for us in a way that honors and that glorifies Him. So that when the enemy intimidates you again or comes against you, God gives you a word that you sling His way. When, when I lost my voice, let me tell you, Every verse in the scripture that said anything about voices, I suddenly became interested in. 
The fact that God used Moses when Moses said, I can't talk good, became very fascinating to me. And I began to see that story, and God began to give me words like, I will be your voice. And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you again and again and again. So your giant will never know just what hit him, and your giant will turn your griefs into glory. Well, I still remember a year later, I was starting middle school, and that year we had to ride the bus. So it wasn't elementary school, but it was a year, uh, it was the the next fall, and uh, I had to ride the bus. So I get on the bus the first day of school. How many of you know that buses can be challenging experiences, right? You know, especially when you're a kid and you know, everything just seems big on that bus. So you're, you're going to all these big people in big places. Well, our bus goes to a couple of different stops, and it hits one of the stops. And who gets on the bus? Rocky Fight. And he comes, you know, to walking down like he owned the bus, which he probably did. And uh, walk down, and you could tell he's just scoping the place out. Who happened to have a seat open right next to him? Me. Well, you can imagine what I thought was going to happen. And as he kind of smiled, came over my way, kind of with a stride, you know, walked over to sit next to me. Suddenly it occurred to me, I thought, I think I've grown a little bit over the summer. I'm a little bit taller, I've gotten thinner, and I feel a little stronger. And I thought, maybe I could do it unto him before he does it unto me. You're going to tell people you went to church and that was the lesson for the day today, right? No. But I thought, you know, maybe I could at least like put him in a, a hold and just keep him tied down until we get off at the, you know, not getting into a fight, but like, and so I thought, I'm going to try that. So I put my arms around his neck and I didn't choke him, but I just held him in place and he like pushed and he couldn't move. And I'm like, this feels really good. <laughs> This is, uh, this is something that didn't happen the last time. Something had changed. And you know what? Last time I ever had to deal with Rocky Fight was after that bus ride. The enemy of your soul, often his bark is louder than his bite. We never see Goliath doing anything, but we hear him yelling out things. But we don't see him really accomplishing anything. He hardly even moves in the story. But he yells and he screams and he calls out all these curses and does all these things. It's like the enemy that wants to intimidate you. Whatever your giant is, God wants you to stand up against it in Jesus' name. Jesus wants to rise up within you so that you can be strong in the Lord. And you know what I pray for you? I pray that the Holy Spirit today is going to give you a scripture, a word, a truth that is gonna help you come against him in Jesus' name, come against that giant. So I'm gonna ask every head bowed, every eye closed. First of all, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you need a relationship with Jesus, you don't know him. Sin has kept you from him. The door's open for you to receive Jesus today and I wanna pray with you to receive him. If you've not opened your heart to Christ, You can believe in him, your sins are forgiven, and you have a place in heaven, and you have someone to fill you and to help you overcome your giants in life today. 
If that's you, I'd love to pray for you. Just put your hand up right where you are. I want to commit or recommit my life to Christ today. Just raise it right up, right where you are. Just put it right up. I want to pray for you. Amen. Right up and then right back down. God bless you. God bless you. Now I want to ask you, if there's a giant that has tried to come against you in your life and you are tired of that giant, that struggle, you say, Lord, I want to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, and I want to resist the enemy and watch him flee, which is what the Bible says. I want to challenge you right where you are just to stand up, just to stand up and by doing that say, I come against the enemy who would try to hurt, steal, kill, hurt my family hurt me in this area or that area of my life. I stand against him. You take your stand in Jesus' name. You're standing one by one. Just stand. Trust him. Believe him. You're an overcomer through Jesus. You're more than a conqueror through him who loved you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Take your stand in Jesus' name. Don't just stand, but stand in Jesus' name, believing that he is able. Amen. Just believing that he is able. Now the rest of us, let's stand. We're going to sing a chorus. Last Sunday, uh, when I was on the South Campus, we sang the song, Who Can Stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah, the Lion and the Lamb that was slain. Who can stop Him? I want you to know that the overcomer is living inside of you and wants to put a word for you to use to come against the enemy. So there are people here that would love to pray with you, and we want to pray for you especially. So I want to put, as we look at these daunting words, your giant. I want to invite you to come forward, not just coming to trust Jesus. You do that. But coming to say, I come with Jesus to resist the giants that would try to hurt, steal, kill, and wound and destroy. So as we sing this beautiful chorus, let the awareness of God's presence in you come alive and just come and take a step forward. And as you do it, do it like David did, coming towards the Goliath and resisting that enemy in the name of Jesus. Let's worship the Lord.